Welcome, everybody, to the Men for Life podcast. We are back in the game. First Fisherman Media, my man Pete. My man, Andrew. On the microphone. And we have a great, wonderful guest, a seminarian today. Who've been, we've been trying to get on the podcast, <laughs> this young gentleman, since the early days <laughs> of the Men for Life show. John McCabe. Mr. McCabe, welcome. Hey, thank you. How are you guys doing today? Great. Man, we're awesome. We're su- we're excited that we caught the fish we've been we've been fishing for for a long time. Oh, I'm I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited <laughs> to have you. God John's been dodging us. <laughs> I think God was just growing the desires. <laughs> he did. He cultivated it. well. I love and it. And here we are. And actually, John had me out at the seminary uh, just prior to this, which was absolutely amazing. Awesome. So, yeah. Looking forward to hearing um, John's story a little bit. We're talking about men for life issues. So John is a young man himself, and he's going to be talking to all the young men in our audience about what it's like to live in pushing towards the culture of life. So anyway, Pete, do you want to start us off in prayer, my man? And then we'll get into the, the meat of the episode. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. God, thank you so much for uh, for allowing us to have this time together. Thanks for uh, for letting us connect with John finally. And um, we just hope that we can continue um, to grow in, um, in our faith formation and that we can do a better job of allowing you to come within our hearts and use us uh, as men and women uh, on on your earth. And as always, um, uh, we ask uh, Our Lady of Fatima. Pray for us. And Pope John Paul. Pray pray for for us. And I just want to add something as we're kicking off here. Um, My wife just sent this out to the family, and it's a picture, and it says, What if you woke up today with only the things you thanked God for yesterday? (laughs) Wow powerful message thank you trisha thank you trisha we forget oftentimes to be grateful and to be thankful for everything he gives us and it's so easy as human beings which um john's a perfect person to be able to speak into a lot of this yeah. I mean, i'm riding down the car with him and i was like john i mean this guy was on a 30-day silent retreat yeah and just canned his cell phone at, at one point in the <laughs> seminary early on, which I just learned about today. And you're on a really, really, you're just a regular guy. So for those of you who don't know, John is a graduate of Lansdale Catholic. I actually met him out there when I was speaking for Pennsylvanians for Human Life. Um, five years ago now almost. Yeah, five years. Yeah. And I heard from uh, from Dan Finocchio that there's a couple you know, young men that are going to the seminary. And I said, ah, oh, that's awesome. So I got to meet John that day. And then here you're, you're in your f- uh, fourth, four? year. Yeah, fourth, fourth year? year. Yeah. Third college it's called. So we have, um, the way the seminary works is it's nine years total uh, for Philadelphia seminary. And there's four years of philosophy. Uh, and after two years of that, there's a spirituality year, which I was just on last year, uh, where it's kind of like a year apart. There's, you don't get your, have your phone for theater except for on Saturdays you can't buy anything um it's just like 10 guys there's not really classes or anything it's just a lot of a lot of prayer a lot of growth a lot of conferences on the spiritual life on the saints on just the prayer traditions of the church um so now I'm back back in college back in philosophy and I'll have two more years of philosophy and then four years of theology and I'll be ordained at the end of that 
Praise the Lord. So, John, one of the things on, on our show that we're always a sort of recurring a recurring theme is, okay, how does a guy like you, a young guy, how old are you today? I'm 21. 21. So you went right from high school to seminary. I did. So... How and this it? is the John McCabe, by the way, that Pete McHugh yeah, had referenced. So if you haven't heard that episode, Pistol Pete, yeah. Pistol Pete, <laughs> and he was saying how John just simply brought him to adoration and said, "All right, I will go get food afterward if you just come to adoration yeah. with me." So this is that John. So anyhow, um, yeah, to to your question, Andrew, how? Yeah, well, how, well the question was, um, so you know, Pete and I have noticed over time that. As difficult as it was for us as young men to stay on the right path, the culture at that time was better than the culture today. So it's that much harder for a young person living in our culture today, which is much more saturated with technology and therefore all of the evils that are available out there, pornography, whatever other hookup stuff, like whatever mm -hmm. the nasty, like buying what gosh knows, like what you can like accomplish online in the darkness. So how does a man like you withstand all of that and choose a cult, you know, to go towards a different life? And so that's sort of that's the that's the always the question that I have. So, oh yeah, well maybe if, we I, can if I can quote the psalmist, uh, my song is of grace and mercy, because mm. there's just been so much of that in my life so far. Um, just with like dealing with a lot of the temptations that come with being a young man, it's actually funny. They don't go away when you become a seminary, and usually they actually get a little more intense because that's where the devil wants to attack the people that are going to be doing doing God's work in like such a such a unique way in the priesthood. So, kind of dealing like dealing with all the temptations, dealing with it, how I ended up at seminary, just a lot of a lot of grace, and kind of like in hindsight, a lot of the like the biggest graces are the ones that God withheld. It was the times that I was flat on my face and I was like, I can't do this. Is when that's when that's when he brings you to himself. That's when that's when you're in the like perfect receptive posture to receive a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. Um so kind of like looking back at my my whole life, I actually knew I wanted to be a priest from a young age, probably around 7 or 8. Um and I didn't know what that meant. There was nothing in particular that really drew me. I've had I have a very very good Catholic family, uh, some priests in the family, so there was always the, like the culture around it. But there wasn't anything in particular that like jumped out at me, like I'm gonna be a priest. Um, I just kinda like started saying it to people. I came home, told my mom one day, and most a lot of young kids come home, oh I'm gonna be a priest and like kinda goes away after a couple of years. And mine only got like stronger, I'll say I, I told more people about it, I was more resolved. But by the time I got to middle school, high school, I wasn't. I was still telling everyone. I was still Father John to a lot of people at Lansdale Catholic. But I wasn't like my, my heart wasn't for him. I wasn't ready to be his. Um, and that's honestly where, like, looking back, I never like he withheld a lot of graces in that time. Really let me like go after all the wrong stuff. But there was also a particular graces that I didn't get a lot of the stuff I wanted. Like, I was never a big party or never like most popular or anything. I just like kind of got through high school wanting wanting more and not really getting a whole ton. And uh like I'm so I'm really thankful for it now honestly cuz when I got to seminary I was like it was it was a grace that I even got there cuz it was nothing the only thing drawing me to the priesthood at that point was that I was telling everyone I was going to be a priest for like 10 years at that point. So actually getting to seminary was like I I need a savior so badly like I, like, I need 
I need him. Like I need to know how deeply I'm loved. And it took a it took a whole semester of growing pains, just a lot of hurt. Um, and like hurt is such a good thing. Like I can talk forever about that, but just a lot of suffering that really grew me as a person. And uh, then the beginning of the second semester, Pete mentioned this earlier. I went off my phone for a month just because I had an iPhone at the time. I have a flip phone now, but uh, my phone was just causing me like probably the most distress in my life. Uh, there was a lot of relationships I had that were kind of like God and like God was like taking out of my life because they weren't good for me. So just kind of like it's just very natural of well, I don't want to be just like on my phone all the time. Uh, when a time when I really there's only one relationship I need to work on right now. So I went off the phone for the month, gave it to my classmate. Um, did you decide this on your own, or did someone, or was it? Oh, yeah. It was actually, so it was a fruit of a three-day silent retreat we had to start the semester where I was off my phone, um, just, like, horribly anxious about all sorts of stuff one night in the chapel, and I was like, I love not being on my phone right now. Like, let's just see, let's just see what a month does. Um, and there was, in this, during that month, like, he just, he, I'd say I gave him my heart, but he really took it because there was still a lot of reluctance. But, like, very, very gently, too. There's a line in the book of Hosea. You guys familiar with Hosea? No. Is a, so he was a prophet uh, in the northern kingdom in the 700s, 700 BCs. Um, and he, God, like, made him a type, like, uh, reveals in his person, like, God's relationship with Israel because he marries a prostitute. Uh, this prostitute, Gomer, who keeps leaving him for other men. She's a prostitute. And God says, like, how how you are to Gomer is how I am to Israel because every like I love Israel like a spouse, but Israel keeps leaving me for other lovers. Um, and then so then there's this beautiful chapter where Whoa. yeah he's talking about God's talking about like like when Israel was a child I loved them um, I called them, I called them out of Egypt um, I drew them with human cords and with bands of love like I taught them how to walk and that's kind of like looking back on the past couple of years, on my whole life, like, every time he's drawn me, it's never been, it's never been magical, it's never been, um, like, just, like, super sweet, super elegant, it's always been very human, it's always been, like, a little bit of herpa mixed with a, a lot of joy, and a lot of excitement, and there's always stuff you, you give up, you lose, but there's always so much more that comes from that, so, kind of just sitting for a while with after that month, like, it was, it's never, it's been, there's been ups and downs, there's been a lot of fighting with him, there's been, there's been a lot of joy, there's been a lot of heartbreak, there's been, there's been everything, but it's always with him since then, so, I was very thankful for that. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's really powerful, John. I think, um, it's interesting, you're, a couple of things, first of all, the no phone thing, huge supporter of the no phone thing. Yeah. I didn't know you didn't have a phone. That's incredible. <laughs> People think it's incredible. To me, as like my age, it seems like I didn't grow up with a phone. So I, when I, when I, ad I did have one at one point. I haven't had one for years. When I did have one, this is before all the stuff that was available on it. But there was enough on there that I knew that it was just poison for me in particular. I'm just jealous. because I just knew that. Um, but anyway, that's a, that's a whole. We could do a whole, the whole long. <laughs> that's talk. an episode. Yeah, it's on like a the whole. Phone. The phone is like a thing. But it's so interesting to me that it. I notice how addicted everybody is, and the way that I notice how addicted everybody is when I tell them I don't have a phone, their eyes light up like they're heroin addicts. Like, oh my gosh, like you kicked, like you you did. You don't have this magical thing that's like I need it. Like, it's like it's a, it's a, it's a block that you hold in your hand. 
I mean, this thing like owns you. It's it's mm-hmm. like your salvation. It looks the look in your eyes, like it's like some salvation for you or something to have this this tool. But anyway, yeah. I don't want to go too deep into that. My, my, I'm more interested in the question, the thing you brought up, suffering, and this oh. seems very countercultural in a way. Yeah. This the idea that it seems as though people don't want to suffer. And you talked about some redemptive quality of the suffering that you went through. And maybe you can yeah. speak in, speak to that a little bit because I think that's yeah. very interesting. And, um, can I just say and interrupt? Oh, and I just want to say, Andrew and I, we're like brothers. It's like we're <laughs> always on the same wavelength because this is exactly what John and I were talking about in the car on the way down here. So, and here, yeah. boom, that stuck out to you immediate, immediately. Yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, and I'm no, I'm no expert in suffering. Uh, but we all kind of are in a way. Cause we're we all, disagree, we're all, John. Go we're, ahead. We're all human beings. <laughs> Go ahead. So kind of looking like there are really like two types of suffering. Like there's suffering with love and there's suffering without love. And the suffering without love can't really properly be suffering. Mm. Um, and uh, it kind of it kind of comes back. So I you mentioned it. I made a 30-day silent retreat in Chicago at the beginning of the summer um, to kind of end the spiritual year that we were on. Uh, so it wasn't 30 days of like pure silence. You had an hour a day to talk to a director, and you had two and a half days, kind of disp- every nine days that you could like talk with your guys and like you go on a little trip together. So it wasn't just like I would I, you go crazy. I think St. Ignatius designed this retreat. He said you go crazy if you did 30 days straight. Like you need your breaks. Uh, so um, a big Ignatian prayer principle is praying with desire, and it's something I've always like. Oh, I've kind of gotten, but. It was really on this retreat. I was like, "This is like, this is everything. Like, desire is like it's kind of almost like a missing key. A lot when like you're looking at like prayer and suffering and the human experience. Like, what is like why why do things happen the way they happen? A lot of it's for like desire, these longs of the human heart. And what I was kind of like feeling in prayer. Um, and I, I talked to like a director about this, so I don't I don't want to be anathema, but the um. That like ultimate, the deepest desire of the human heart is like intimacy with God, um, just like a long for Him. And then there's other desires. That's like the primary desire. And it's also the the end desire, um, which is very Thomistic. Uh, so <laughs> that kind of popped in my head. But either way, you're kind of like you start with that desire, and then there are other desires from desires that are born from that, right? Like a desire to be seen, to be known, to be loved. Uh, these are all primary desires, and then they bear other desires. Um, and as f- in, as far as these desires don't lead us back to the other to the original desire of intimacy with God, they that's where they kind of become sin. Um, and the thing about these desires is they they hurt a lot. Like I'm sure you guys have really wanted something. Um, it's like it wounds you. Like you you were hurt for this. Um, so we kind of have two responses. We have these this like aching wide open heart that just like wants intimacy with God and like so much other stuff from that and for that. And we can either let God come into that, and He actually doesn't increase, He doesn't take away the hurt. He actually makes it like intensifies it, but in a way that that love knows, and that's kind of suffering with love. Or we can kind of try to close it over on our own. Um, it's just like putting scotch tape on a wound. I would say a band-aid, but it's not even like that. It's like putting scotch tape over our hearts, trying to close it up. Um, and that's when we settle for something, something less than. And that's what that's the suffering without love. That's where that comes from. Is when these desires are still there. They're still burning our heart, but we're not, we're not opening our hearts up to let God in. Because we kind of, I think, we kind of know how much love really hurts us. Um, so 
that, and that's kind of where like suffering is a gift in that sense is that you're either suffering in love which is like like communion with god on earth which is a gift in itself and like that's what the son shows us like his whole like kind of like going into his heart during the passion like it was really his desire that was like agonizing for him like he desired like the father think about like like he like you guys have i'm sure you've been like spiritually desolate like dry at times um that's just like a like a beautiful part of the spiritual life john of the cross talks a lot about this um so i'm gonna take a drink real quick you're good buddy you are good take your time (laughs) um oh but um oh wait what's up no go ahead keep talking keep going yeah um so then like and that's that really I'm, I'm gonna get on a tangent, a little tangent. Here. Do it, like, man. So, you know, like, that's what we're here for. <laughs> Unleash it, John. Bring it. Just John, bring it. John, this is twenty-one-year-old Johnny Whispers wisdom. <laughs> John, Johnny Whispers unchained. But you see, um, <laughs> so like, what like God's proper substance, right? It's not something sensible. It's intelligible, right? Like we have the higher faculties, the soul, the intellect, and the will, and we have the lower faculties, the senses. Um, and so to really like touch the proper substance of God, to really be in communion with Him, is proper to the the intellect and the will like that's those are the parts of us that'll go to heaven when we die until the resurrection but i'm not I'm not getting into that um so we have uh so to really like touch god with the intellect and the will it's proper for the, the- that's the theological virtues right like faith hope and love um and he he those are all gifts from him but he builds us up to those with uh, and i'm not being super precise here but he builds us up to those with um, like sensible feelings, like the kind of rush you get during prayer, or like a great, a great song that like moves you towards God, or like, like a beautiful church that like just moves your, moves you upward. So these and like, these are all very good, beautiful things, but they're also, like, feeling God isn't the same as touch properly touching the substance of God, because God's not, you can't feel. He's not sensible. He's intelligible. So. In the progression of the spiritual life, you'll go through periods of dryness where he'll take away these feelings so that you're actually able to properly touch his substance with with the, with intellect, with, with an act of faith and of hope and of love. Um, and then he'll keep building you up with, if you like, and like he's so gentle, if he knows you need a consolation, you need to feel something, he'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. Like he's not, he's not cruel. Um, but what at the end of the, like, and like it's few few saints really get here, but what you really want is like, well, I mean, Mother Teresa had it. She didn't feel God at all for like fifty years of her life. She barely understood like her her all everything less than faith, hope, and love were kind of dark for her. They were blurry. It was her dark night. It was only she she functioned solely on faith, hope, and love. Um. So so that's kind of I forget. Oh oh, so in the garden, right? Like. Jesus is like the the principle of all our, and that's that's purgative. It's very purificating. And Jesus is like the principle of our purification when He goes through His passion. Like it's Paul says, like you died with Christ. Like the reason that we are able to act virtuously is because like the crucified and risen Christ like lives in us through our baptism. So He had to He went through that also, um, in like a way that like it was like the dark night of all dark nights. Like He was desolate of the father not abandoned like not like the father didn't just go off but like if you've ever been dry in prayer like even if you know god's there like god feels so far away so that imagine that just like that longing of the son to like be with the father to do the father's will it's like burning his heart up and like if it's he doesn't do the will of the father he's gonna explode or something so that's like his greatest agony wasn't even 
the scourgings or the, the crowning or the crucifixion. It was like his heart's just like desires not only of the Father but of the good of the people that were crucifying him. It's like he's seeing these people that utterly hate him at that moment, and he's just like head over heels in love. Like I need to, I need to do this for them. Like I need to die for them, and like that that produces so much suffering in him that like his his heart's like burning up on the inside. So you kind of like just looking at like when you really desire and love, like it causes you intense agony, like pain. I mean, even in his whole life, Jesus says like. There's a baptism baptism with which I must be baptized, and I'm in agony until I am baptized. Um, and that's so, like, looking at the lives of the saints, they weren't just, like, sunshine rainbows all the time. They suffered a lot because they, they loved greatly. Because they were, like, for them, any, any unrepentant sinner was a great cause of harm for them. Not because they were petty, not because they wanted anything from that sinner, but because they loved deeply. Um... So so that's how suffering is good in love, but it's also good even when it's not with love. Because you, I mean... Hang on right there, John. Yeah. If you want more of what John's talking about right now, you're striking so many chords with me, John. I, I can't even tell you. Mother Teresa, of course, what you mentioned. Um, St. Therese Lisieux, uh, of gr- course. My girl, yeah. yeah, this is John's girl. Um, Johnny Whispers and St. Therese. And St. Teresa Avila. For sure, in those stages of prayer in our prayer life, where you can get to these different like levels and states. So anyway, if you want more of that, I just wanted to quick say, yeah, yeah, these are the. I mean, these are doctors of our church, you know. So this is yeah. So anyway, and of course Aquinas, as you had mentioned, John of the Cross too. John, John and Teresa of Avila were like best friends. So uh, they were. Yeah. So Teresa. Truly, like yeah, yeah. Teresa, Teresa went about reforming the Carmelite order, and then. she like I need a priest that's gonna help me. So she went and found this. She uh, called it. She, John John of the Cross was like five feet tall. So she said, "I found a half, <laughs> a half priest to help me out." So, uh, <laughs> and I see you're even allowed to joke when you are like the <laughs> doctors of the church, you know, and tease yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, they um, so I know this is very heady, yeah. you know, oh, but very, this yeah. is yeah, but this is so anyway. There's more of that, but go into what you were about to go into right. uh, about. Then there's the other suffering. Yeah. Oh, I'll need a nap after this. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So the other suffering, like, and this is what, like, primarily, like, most of us feel when we're away from him, and it's usually what brings us to him, is, like, just, you just hurt all the time with, like, just, like, purely negative pain. Like, it's just, like, I don't like being like this. Like, something has to change. Like, it's, like, the catalyst for our, for our change is, like, I'm suffering greatly. Um, so, so, yeah, that, and that's, it's very, it's very basically, I think every, we all kind of get it. It's very purgative, but it's hard to like when you're suffering. It's not just like, oh, this is good. It's like this really sucks. But when you really like, when he comes into it, he he changes it into love, and it's like, no, I do want to go through this purgation. Like I do want to, because that you know. is so for our listeners. That's suffering without love, and I don't know if that resonates for for everyone, but I know <laughs> that resonates for me because I've experienced both personally. I know what that feels like, John, oh, yeah. and it goes directly to the heart, which you were describing before, which is the desire. So the main desire, yeah. to recap, that is the main desire is desire for intimacy with God. Yes. And then f- From there, yeah. we have other desires that are going to. Yeah. Desire for love, desire to be seen, desire, right? All these yeah. things. And think about that. Think about how that plays out in the world for is I have a desire to be seen or I have a desire to be loved, right? So you're the girl. 
And it's what do you want? You want someone to notice you. You want that boy to notice you or whatever, that guy that, you know. So we even go looking for it. I'm going to get dolled up and, you know, dressed up and I'm going out to the bar so someone will notice me, you know. Or I mean post a 10-second video on TikTok. Yeah, oh gosh, I forgot. Yeah, thank you. Bring it back to the phones. Right, exactly. I have to take my clothes (laughs) off and dance around on front of my phone, right? So someone will notice me and uh, get my likes, you know, and all that and comments. Right. Yo, you look beautiful. You're amazing. All right? So... So that's what happens. That's how it plays out in real life, real world. And we're all, you know, this is, we're all living this way. Um, and then, then we wind up maybe being that prostitute that you were describing. When she goes, what's her name in Hosea? Gomer. Gomer. Yeah. So she's, so Gomer's going. And what is she really looking for? She's looking for, for love. Yeah. So how's she trying to get it? By sleeping with all these different men as a prostitute, not yeah. finding it, going to the next one, looking for the same thing, the next one, the next one, until finally, um, as you had said, you know, then then hopefully an awakening happens where she realizes at some point, or all of us realize at some point, that that was just simply a desire of the heart. Mm-hmm. So I didn't need to engage in any of this. It was a desire of the heart. And where did that desire of the heart ultimately lead back to? Um, a desire for oh, a for love God. of yeah, God. God. Yeah, yeah, that's what um. What's his face? G.K. Chesterton says every man that goes into a brothel is seeking God, uh, which is like, such an insight. It's funny you went back to Gomer. Um, there's this movie, Redeeming Love. It's a book and a movie. Um, you guys remember Grace Longo? Yo, of Grace. <laughs> Grace is like a cornerstone of the men's podcast <laughs> experience. Yeah. If you yeah. haven't listened to Grace's episodes, quick plug, go back and listen to Grace. Grace, you're amazing if you're listening to this. And another quick plug, Grace and John might be starting their own uh, show under uh, the first Fisherman brand. That's going to be Scholastica and Benedict. Benedict. Yeah, Scholastica and Benedict were brother and sister saints. That, I love um, it's it. Just, it's, just, like, it's, it's funny. It's this office of readings we have in, the, in our breviary, we say, uh, as priests and religious, where it's like the death of Scholastica, but they spent the night like... The, the day before she died, talking about the delights of the spiritual life. And it's such like a nice phrase, like, oh, let's talk about the delights of the spiritual life. And Grace yeah. is like, you guys have had her on. She's like, she's amazing. She can talk about the delights of the spiritual life forever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Redeem- Redeeming Love is her favorite movie. Um, is Grace's movie. favorite movie? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, she talks about it a lot. I assume it's her favorite. So it, uh, and what it's about is I actually I watched it on a plane a couple months ago. Uh, what it's about is uh, this. It's in the old west during the the gold rush in California. This prostitute angel, that is like the most popular prostitute in this little town, obviously and like ironically called Paradise, and uh, um is like just horribly like broken and like broken in such a way that she's like cold and like kind of sadistic. Um, and then there's this guy Michael Hosea that is a farmer and he's like upstanding guy and he's praying for a wife and he goes into the town and sees her and like falls in love and he's like I'm gonna marry that girl um and then he's like who is she and everyone's like she's a prostitute like the most popular prostitute in town you might not even get a night with her he's like well I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna get her to marry me so he goes like keeps buying hours with her like spending all the money he made on the farm and like at first she's just like don't you just want to sleep with me he's like no I just want to talk to you and she's like well you're weird for that keeps coming back keeps coming back finally She's, like, in such a desperate situation um, with, like, her pimp that she says, you know, like, t- just I'll go back to the farm with you. But, like, very reluctantly, doesn't want to be there. But she's always, he's always showing her love, always, and that's the name of the movie, Redeeming Love. So he builds her up so much, she runs away one time to go back to the town, um, and he goes after her. He actually doesn't even, like, take her back. He gives her, he gives her a blanket and food and says, well, you're going to need this for your night out. 
Um, it's 20 miles back that way to all the her you have, or it's one mile back to home. Um, and she comes back, and he gets up and washes her feet, and he says, why are you doing this? And he says, because one mile is harder to walk than 19. Uh, so the whole thing is very beautiful. And at the end of the movie, uh, so she runs away again because she doesn't really feel worthy of his love. Um, and he, he doesn't pursue her. He just prays a lot for her. And she ends up, like, com- like coming back freely at the end of the movie. So that's kind of, um, like, her whole time. Like, she had these. And the whole movie's told in flashbacks, too. Um, and I didn't do it justice. Go go and watch it yourself. Um, where it's, like, her life growing up, her, she was an illegitimate son of this, like, millionaire with this woman. Uh, her dad, like, like does not like her, like, doesn't visit. Um, her mom ends up having to be, become a prostitute when the dad cuts them off. Uh, so then um, her mom ends up getting sick and dies, and she has to become a prostitute. She gets, like, like jumped by other prostitutes that take her money. She ends up in California all alone and has to, like, keep doing this. So her whole life she's just become cold and unfeeling and sadistic. But... It, it was. It wasn't because she just like was that way. It's because it was years and years of these desires she had for intimacy being always, always snubbed, always cut short, always cut short, until all that was left was just like, this heart that was just like, unf- it didn't want to feel because feeling was hurt for it. John, that's ultimately, I believe, what happens to all of us, is as our heart starts to die through this pain, through this suffering is then we all get callous to a point it's almost like it's almost like we've become a society of people where it's like let me like rush to callous my heart because the more callous i can make it the less i'll feel pain you know what i mean so it's like um but we don't want to feel anymore um because the feeling is what so now we've become guarded with our hearts it's become sensitive we don't want them touched we don't want you know and and again, you and I were talking in the car a little bit, you know, on the way down here, but um, that's from a female's perspective. You know, obviously that movie probably does a, you know, a brilliant job of showing that. And, but how about from a male's perspective, John? Like, tell us from a men's perspective about, about this, the heart, spirituality, how our heart is going to be a little different as a man Oh, in yeah. receiving God, you know, the yeah. female's heart. Uh, like, what does the spirituality look like for men? Oh, yeah. So male, male spirituality is, it can be very difficult because we as men, we like to do. We're the agent. Like, think about in sex. It's the, the man's the giver, the woman's the receiver. Um, and it's, that's our, that's our, our nature. It's, it's, it's men. We, we like to defend. Uh, in the spiritual life, though, we're primarily receptive. We um, hunt. Right. Go yeah. back to primitive times where hunters uh, oh, yeah. we aren't really yeah, yeah. gatherers, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So then so just like our male, our male genius is always give on um, spiritual life is primarily receptive, though. So that's very that can be very tough for us. We don't like that. Like um, we and like it kind of it's like an identity thing, too. Like we we want to go do something great for God when God's saying, well, first, like, let me be something great for you. Um, and then, then you'll be great and you can do great. But like, first let's just like slow down a little bit, like receive. Uh, and it's very unnatural for us as men. Uh, it's obviously a lot of grace at work in that. And there's kind of these spiritual eyes that have stemmed from this. Like it has, it has precedence in the tradition and it has precedence in the desert fathers and Augustine, um, saints, like let's like go to war on the flesh, like crucify. I mean, it's, it's in scripture too, like crucify your desires, um, like go to war. Uh, we like that as men. Like we like, we have an enemy that we're gonna crush. We're gonna take care of business. We're gonna impose ourselves onto our 
our lower faculties and we're gonna we're gonna win mm-hmm. um it's like braveheart this is gladiator yeah. right it's like <laughs> you know count of monte cristo right yeah. <laughs> yeah and like it's, it's what we do we're men right yeah. yeah and it's it's like but that's not what this is no you're yeah, describing so, something slightly yeah, different so, so like there's what at the at the root of it so there is there's place in spiritual life for mortification like right to make death for uh penances for everything but what it's at the root of it is that the problem with like these desi- like a uh, bad desires with uh, I did I did finger quotes there with like bad <laughs> desires um all these things is like they're not bad in themselves it's just that they're not enough like god wants so much more. he wants us to desire intimacy with him um so there's when there's only these desires for like a hookup it's not that that's there's too much there so there's not enough there so if we start to look at desire like that, it's not about putting that desire to death. It's letting that desire be grown. It's letting like him love life into that desire. Um, I actually, I mean, would you mind if I shared? I had a couple of meditations on my thirty day that kind of had to do with this. Um, do one, we mind, buddy? <laughs> this is why you're no, here, go for man. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, and these are these are ones that like if I was ever a spiritual director, I'd like because they're they're not they don't have little to do with like me personally. It's more just like put these in like put your life into perspective, your desires. Um, so, and oh yeah, John, d- only because this resonates with me so much and hopefully others is this is what I, I recognized in myself and I recognize in, in others as well is when Mother Teresa describes poverty, this is what she's describing. It has nothing to do with money, economics, finances. It's yeah. spiritual poverty. It's not a need for for more, like you said, or I'm saying it's there's a lacking. There's something that's that's it's not, yeah. it's not enough yet, you know. So yeah. how do we let God breathe life into it to make yeah. it whole? It's like partial. So go ahead. I'm yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So um, one of them. So it's kind of like your the holy family's fleeing. So I'll just describe the structure of the thirty day. So there's four hours a day where you have a spiritual director who assigns you a prayer period based on a certain scripture passage, and you sit with that and see what the the Holy Spirit shows you. Um. So the one, or the first one is actually, you guys know the Song of Songs? Yes. And so, so there's a, I'm a big Song of Songs guy. The Song of Songs is like like an outline of the spiritual life that John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila will follow about like the the ascent of the soul into the dark night and then mystical union. It's so cool. But um, there's one there's one passage where. Basically a love story, right? Yeah. I mean, and it, it's like, like St. Bernard, like I've actually been reading his commentary on it. Like, like the soul just like deeply loved by God and like the soul kind of like assenting to that like coming into into contact with that and it's, it's just very rich it's just a rich book it's probably the, one of the richest books in the Bible well they're all super rich the word of God is super rich but um so uh oh so there's one passage where it's like you know like it's just one line catch us the foxes the little foxes that damage the vineyard for our vineyards are in bloom um and like so kind of putting like myself and Jesus like the garden of my heart, like the garden of desires. And there's just foxes running around, right, to the bad desires, the sins. And it's like, Jesus, like, picks one up, and it's like, oh, boy, here we go. Like, smackdown time. Like, we're going to crush my sins. Like, we're going to get rid of this. Well, he just, like, is very gentle with it. He calms it down. It's very it's very biting at him. He calms it down. It's like, like every part of you needs love, not, not just the parts that are good, the parts that you want to show me, like, Mm. these parts of you that are angry like are aggravated right now it's not it's not that they're they don't they don't not belong there they just need to be loved they need to they need to be integrated into the garden um 
So that so I would like just like sitting down with someone like name your foxes like what in you right now is ruining the garden of desire, um and how can how can they be integrated into that? Um, so because the desire in and of itself is not evil, it's like a mis misguided, misdirected desire, whatever, yeah, right? It's, yeah, it's, a, it's supposed to be there. I mean, so what are our foxes? You said, John. Yeah. Yeah, so Paul's right teaching moment. Um, what are our desires? What are our foxes? What are our desires? And how yeah. can we allow, how can we actually as men go into receptive mode instead of yeah. alpha male mode and actually receive from him how he's trying to calm them or tame them, right? Yeah. And kind of, this just kind of just popped in my head. Like, like a lot of men like embrace either like stoicism or kind of like a pseudo stoicism. I think stoicism was for like early yeah. Roman philosophy of like, just like this, the strong man, like, like a, not gonna feel joy, not gonna really be moved in any way, like, um, just kind of like, not gonna, just like you know, just like the virtuous man, like think Cicero, um, and Augustine writes against this. He's like, well, like if you're not feeling joy, like you're not even human, like he basically <laughs> says, like the Stoics. Yeah, it's like a denial of life, the Stoicism <laughs> thing. Yeah, right? it's sort it's, of like denial of all feeling. It's it's an odd yeah. detachment. Right, I won't feel pain anymore, but I also won't feel joy. Right, it's, and it's like and our our Buddhist brothers and sisters, like that's the whole idea of Buddhism is. So you have desires, and they cause you suffering. So the way to alleviate that suffering is stop desiring something. So it's not it's not it's not oh like find a way to get this thing and then I'll have it. It's just stop wanting it because you're probably not going to get it anyway. Um, and the thing is, they're right about that. Is that suffering desires cause a lot of suffering? We've said what they're wrong about is that suffering is very good. Like it's good to want something. It's good to desire. Um, and we like, just need to let God in so that he can rec redirect our wants to the right things yeah. and help to to get rid of the the wants that are unhealthy for us, right? Yeah. That actually sorry, I'm like I'm all over the place, but this uh <laughs> when we're on 30 day, this so this, this kind of played right into it cuz this priest from Monsignor Canary is like the goat, like greatest of all time. Uh, for any of our, our older listeners, he <laughs> said so he's like a beast uh, out in Chicago and he um gave this homily where there was uh, Buddhist monks going to the Trappist monastery in Kentucky. Uh, they were having like just like a meeting on prayer, and the they were kind of talking. The Buddhist monks were like, "We well, can't really seem to understand. You guys have a picture, or you have an, like a, a statue of a dead man on a cross in all your rooms." And the monks kind of explained, "Oh, that's that's Jesus." And they're like, "We why are you like portraying suffering like like this positively?" And they're like, "Um, like we Buddhists believe that suffering is bad and you can avoid it." And it's like, "Well, we Catholics believe." Yeah, suffering's tough, but like at the end, of, like with love, like it's transformed and it brings you to a better place. And the Buddhists are like, yeah, like whatever, you guys are crazy. Uh, so they go to mass, um, and one of the Buddhist monks, this like militant Japanese man, didn't know that he wasn't supposed to receive the Eucharist. So he goes up and uh, goes up and he receives the Eucharist by accident, and then he just starts bawling his eyes out. Uh, and they're like, like brother, what's wrong? And it took him like however long to like collect himself. And he finally got his, his breath, and he said, sacrificial love. So it was, like, something that, it's in our hearts. Like, we, it's there. It just needs to be brought out. It's, like, how good it is to to want, to desire, to to, to give, to hurt, to suffer. Um, but I've, how did we, oh, we were talking about, um, we were talking about Buddhism, but where, where were that before that? Your 30-day. Oh, yeah. Your 30-day retreat. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> it was so much fun. Played a lot of basketball, um, but uh, 
Oh, oh yeah, but uh, yeah, I kind of <laughs> maybe I've said everything I need to say. <laughs> no, this is John. That's great, Andrew. Absolutely, that oh, was great. That was a great reflection, John. I really appreciate that. I'm I'm wondering for a young guy listening who's sort of still in the world, let's say. So he, it sounds like you were kind of even though Christ wasn't as present to you then as he was now you still sort of were calling out that you wanted to be a priest and it was clearly a path that you had found early on and you saw guys around you i'm sure that are probably a lot like the guys that might be listening to this which is the world seems to offer a lot to me though john i mean it sounds like what you're saying is that all my foxes are leading me astray but there's so much I mean, you know, I look on Instagram and there's like people are on beaches with like beautiful women and they're like, like this sin stuff looks really yeah, kind of appealing really and yeah. and like maybe the foxes yeah. aren't as bad. I mean, it sounds pretty well, like actually, like yeah. on, on Instagram it looks it looks relatively strong. Like looks like a pretty good way to go and everybody's going that way. I mean, you're you're in this 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 you know, you went this other way, but it's kind of a minority path. I mean, what why should what it is it just at the surface that looks good or like what's um, what would you say yeah now you're talking to me about the suffering thing and yeah, you're it's like, wait to the cross exactly, on, right. i don't know like, yeah. the cross is not that appealing to me like instagram there's no crosses on instagram yeah. like it's like it's like you know ladies with beautiful bodies and dudes that i want to be like huh that well, are with mean, them yeah well, i guess right away i can i can only say try it and see see how you end up um, <laughs> <laughs> run the experiment I, gentlemen because yeah, we have we have two thousand years of tradition of the church and uh i'll tell you it takes a lot of it takes a lot of falling into sin to really come to hate sin or to be just kind of numb great to sin. Line. yeah that's a great um, so like i can't i can't give like a great answer but um so you're no, telling that is, me by I'm the way not, that is a great answer uh, that's a, that's a great answer oh, i think yeah. that's a great answer right no, no, but I think as it's simple great. and as correct as it gets. It's funny because I was talking. Actually, you uh, think uh, Mary Magdalene yeah, had it correct? Just right. go and do what she did right. and see yeah. what you come up with. Well, right? I, mean, I was oh, yeah. I was talking to a, a, a woman outside of um, St. Pat's the other night after night prayer, and she was talking about this experience she's having with a friend of hers who's lost in sin, and he's not interested in hearing the message of the church. And the idea that I had, which you know, she was like trying to find ways to evangelize or help evangelize this gentleman. And a part of me was like, well, if he doesn't, if he's not looking, if he doesn't, hasn't felt the hurt of what he's doing yet, is it possible that he needs to go deeper into the sin? Even though we want to bring him, we're like, hey, man, yeah. you're headed down the wrong path. And we're trying to tell this person, are you saying that there's a certain level at which people need to go down the path of sin in order to know that that apple, even though it looks ripe, when you yeah. actually bite deeply enough, it's rotten. It's pretty sour, yeah. Is that um, how, what, what's your thoughts on that? I, so I don't think it's like there's no like cookie cutter like conversion story. Sure, like God's God's ways are unsearchable. His judgments are always true. Or however, however far someone needs to go is known only to Him. Um, we can we can pray a lot for people. We can be. I found I found like with just my own life like love like a smile or like a how are you doing goes a long way for someone that's away from Him. Because in the world when no one says hello anymore, no one. No one smiles at each other anymore, um, unless you can get like get something. You're right? always smiling, John. You guys can't see this because we're only on the audio version. But John's always smiling, man. Whenever I see <laughs> yeah. John, he's always got a smile, happy. right? Uh, Seriously, he's uh, got that joy, right? He's always smiling. Have you ever seen John not smiling? No. 
Yeah. Really? Oh. <laughs> Giggling about something. He's got something good going on his yeah. head. And <laughs> y- you had said to me before, John, it's it's um, that's a Mother Teresa teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Um, Go smi- smile at someone. Go home and love your family yeah. as you. You want to change the world? Yeah. Go home and love your family. Yeah. Ter- even Therese uh, Lassoux was like this old sister that was always like a pain for her. Um, was like, because she had to help the sister get from chapel to the refectory. And the sister would always be yelling at her, you're going too fast, you're going too slow, you young sisters don't know what you're doing. So Teresa says, I always gave her my best smile. And she said by the end of that sister's life, like, she loved her deeply. So there's there's so much to be done. Um, but so, and just, like, kind of back to the, the former question of someone, like, how far do they, like, do they just need to experience sin? Like, that's only for God to know. Um, he might give them a particular grace that wakes them up, and they're like, I hate this, I gotta get out of here. It might just be like, I mean, there's like people that are just like flat on their face, like I can't do this anymore. Um, like and like I could say some examples, but I'm sure you guys, anyone listening knows people. You know, you know in your own life when you've been flat on your face, like something something's got to give. Like this is horrible. You guys, you guys know Saint Augustine? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, not personally. But oh yeah. Well, he pray, he prays for you every day. Amen. <laughs> so he's my he, patron saint. He yeah he kind of, he so I I failed to mention in my my kind of vocation story he's a big part because it was in my first semester at the seminary I was still hurting a lot but I was like I'm gonna read the confessions like his book and like way over my head I just did a hand motion going over my head because he's like brilliant and I knew very little um but he just captured me and I was like I really like I want to know so badly what he's talking about so I, I need to really give myself more to this to my studies to to my prayer life and so he's really like carry me a long way and you kind of asked earlier like you see these like these things in the world seem pretty good um like these sins it's because like at their root like augustine wrestled with this they are good like there's no like evil isn't a substance right like we talk um, i'll try to be precise here it's, it's difficult sometimes but um like they're only good things that exist and any evil is a privation of the goodness um like for example, like, like so someone's missing a hand, like there's not no hand, there's just not a thing. Um, it's not like there's positively something there. It's just that there's not something. Um, or even like more moral, like a more tangible example, like with sex. Um, it's not like sex with a contraceptive. It isn't. Well, I guess. Isn't not sex. Yeah, it's just not fully it's, sex. It's not fully because it's a withholding of fertility. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. Like, or, um, so it's missing something. It's not that it isn't. It just there's something yeah, lacking, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that's where like any of the church's teachings are never like these sins that are happening are like like positively bad. It's just that they're not enough. It's like like the evil is actually yeah. not maybe maybe not the opposite of good. It's just lacking good, right? It's not. Yeah. It's like not all the way there yet. It's like a seven out of ten. We're missing the other three, right? Yeah. 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 So, and kind of like going back, like you see these beautiful girls on the beach on Instagram, you're like, that looks pretty good. It's because it is pretty girl. Like women are, women are beautiful. They're a gift. Beaches are good. Beaches are cool. Um, and there's that desires in the heart for, for the good, for beauty, for intimacy. Um, so those desires, they, they see this and they, they reach out for these, these good things. But the problem is they, that's where they stop. They don't, they don't go back to intimacy with God. So even if, like like a young young guy seeing like 
oh these these things are good that I'm that I'm going after what's why am I so unhappy it's cuz it's cuz the heart is closed up and sterile at that point it's not going any it's not it's not being gift it's not having life in it it's not going towards god it's not being receptive either it's just kind of closed off um, so anything that's not ordered to god then in that way is not going far enough anything yeah, yeah. so but it's yeah. not so that what the distinction is is it's not that the thing in itself is bad it's that when it's not attached to god then it becomes you can you then you what it what ends up happening goodness, is that, right? well you <laughs> yeah. you're yeah. the by nature, then you're turning it into God. You're making an idol of it. Yeah. So then the girl becomes the idol. And I, I felt to this, right? Yes. Like I've had like when before I, my, women were gods, goddesses to me. Yeah. Like they became my everything. Like when I had it, you know, and and that that's didn't work. It doesn't work because yeah. they're just a sinner. Or money is like a thing. Or pleasure is a thing. The four yeah. pieces of you know power, pleasure, or is it wealth and honor? The four. Um, main substitutes that Aquinas talks about, um, probably. Yeah, but they're like, <laughs> yeah. well, okay, there might be more, but those are four uh, pretty big ones, right? Yeah, Power, yeah. pleasure, wealth, honor. So. Yeah, and yeah. you know what's interesting is Father Andrew, at Devon Prep, we went out to mass Saturday morning. Or, I'm sorry, last Sunday morning, and he actually spoke into that regarding the Gospels, uh, last not last Sunday, the Sunday prior. So it's actually the antidote to that. He said what we're missing, though, is power, self-control, and love. But the power that he's talking about isn't our personal power, like something we conjure up on our own. He's talking about the power given to us by God through the Holy Spirit, yeah. and then Virtue. self-control, right? And huh. then, of course, the, the charity and the love for yeah. others. Yeah. And he's kind of said, like, these— Redirected. Mm. Mm. Like, these girls become your God. Um but or like anything becomes if God's not your God, anything else becomes your God. But there's only there's something almost like kind of think in the nature of love is that it's God is love. He's so interrelated to love um, that like any time that you're putting anything in his, his spot, it's not you're not loving that thing. You're using that thing. You kind of so it's it's not really like it's either God or something else. It's almost you or God. You're either God's either the center of your life or you're going to use everything. And then well, so here's the thing. A little backtrack. When God's the center of your life. You can love everything, like you. I mean, you become like him, like John says, um, and obviously a different mode, like in heaven. But you become like him. You become love. Like that was Therese's vocation. She said, "I I will be love." It's suddenly everything becomes lovely and lovable. Those girls in the bikinis, they become loving. They become lovely, not for anything they can do for you, but because they're they're children of God. They need. They probably need help if they're like doing like posting pictures or whatever just for attention yeah um it's like so, oh let me give you a hug you don't need to do that yeah, you're yeah, already special like, enough you know exactly Amen. yeah father so, yeah. larry richards oh such a great cd i was listening to from him but that's what he said he said if we're looking at it properly looking at the beautiful woman girl whatever is no different than looking at a beautiful mountain or a beach or something like that yeah. it's whoa god you do really good work like that's a beautiful yeah. one but you're not thinking of anything that you're going to do to her or, or like yeah. you said use her or what she yeah. can do for you you know, you know what john paul ii said mm. he said um i fell in love with human love and i was dazzled by the beauty of woman like pope saint john paul ii Yes. That's incredible. Yeah. So he fell in love with all the ladies he saw. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's like you can love. That's why Pete has his socks. 
<laughs> JP second. JP oh, socks. JP, I think it was like those are. I don't have them. No, 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 no. He doesn't. <laughs> like, not, not the socks that JP two like, wore, but Pete has. <laughs> all of Men for Life merch will all be socks. Oh That's yeah, the merch. only merch that we have is socks. <laughs> oh great, we're gonna have socks. Awesome. I'm, I'll but we do have two me, nuns and a guy named Pete T-shirts coming, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which are uh, the Sisters of Life and me when we go on our speaking tours. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. Well, okay, so yeah, so kind of looking like you can love everything so fully. Um, and like ordered too. Like another line from the Song of Songs, um, his glance at me ordered love. Like his glance at me ordered my love together. Um, but when you kind of when you take God out of the center of your heart, all these things in your life you don't love them. You just you use them for what they can do for you, and you actually kind of find yourself. You don't love yourself either. You just use yourself for I don't even know what. It's kind of so un it's unsearchable. But it's, it's like as soon when you take God out of the center, um, suddenly even like you start to use Him of like how can like the divine merchant right like how what can God do for me? I can say these prayers and get something. Suddenly everything in your life, if you're self-centered, everything there's no love in your life. Everything is used. Uh, John Paul II talks about that. Um, the, like the everything people, is use. Yeah, yeah it's a do great you hear line. That? Everything is use. Culture of use. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we use. Yeah people and love things and we're supposed to yeah. love people and use things yeah and, and even that we should even be careful in our use of things <laughs> yeah because, because that can lead to to abuse of, of of just use 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 yeah like i mean saint augustine talks about like you so you enjoy god for his own sake you um like enjoyment and use he makes a distinction uh it's in latin um so uh and he says, like, you, you use things to get closer to God. You do use them. But, like, it's a very different use than, like, um, like using a person. Like Because there's a sin, which Nikki, my son, just pointed out to me the other day. There's actually the sin of usury. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, like, taking uh, interest. So there would be a healthy use yeah. versus, like, a usury, right? Yeah. Uh, where Which could, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, like, take example of this couch of, mm -hmm. like, so we're using it right now. We're sitting on it. But that's what this couch is designed for. So we're really, like, we're not, like, loving this couch in that way, but we're, like, the couch is fulfilling its end. And that's what, like, to love something is to really, like, want it to, meet, like, fulfill its telos, its end. Like, it's it's what it's made for. Using it in accord with its nature, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so then, it's, like, people are made for love. So that's why we, we love people use things. But the use of things there isn't improper to them. It's, so it really is engaging our, our really, our, high our higher faculties of... Where that's where love is seated in the will, like true, like the theological virtue of love. Um, so, yeah, there's just when you have God at the center of your life, like it all just falls perfectly into place. You, you everything, everything's is what it's supposed to be. And John, you're a single man right now in the seminary. Well, I'm I'm engaged with the church, but <laughs> <laughs> nice. But I can't even tell you how important nice. that is. And life-changing that was for us in marriage yeah. is to learn that I'm no longer allowed to use Trisha. Mm -hmm. I use her in accord with her nature, right? Yeah. What's her nature, and now I have to now I have to come to know her, and then I have to use this self-control so I can control myself, so I can then gain self-mastery, as Pope mm -hmm. John Paul describes, so I can then give myself to her. You know what I mean? Yeah, like as, as worthy of love. Yes. 
Wow. Yeah, oh, John, I'm telling that's, you. That's you, an awesome insight. If you don't mind, only because there's something else I wanted to get to you on. I don't want to forget. My mind, I just go and go and it <laughs> runs. I think, and we talked about this before, we have a percentage of people where the hearts are just dead. And and it's they're they're not alive for they're not alive for joy, they're not alive for suffering. They're just calloused, you know, as we were describing. Yeah. There's a certain part of us um, that maybe maybe they are alive and they're living what you're talking about, this joy. It's not like you're free of suffering, but there's this joy and this happiness that's there as well. So you have you know, you have both. I don't know what percentage it is, but it seems like 60, 70, 80 percent of, of Catholics are like somewhere in between right now. It's almost like, well, I don't want to go to that side because I recognize that that just comes as pain. You know, it's like suffering without love, as you describe. So I'm yeah. not going to I'm not going to I don't want to go down that road. That looks terrible. Yeah. And I don't want to be quite over here yet because I'm not sure. So it's like almost like. I'm just going to hang out here in the middle in this. Yeah, I'm fine. Like I go to yeah. mass on Sunday, you know, or whatever. I'm fine. We're fine. Like yeah, we're... everything's just dandy. Yeah. That's oh, it's crazy. You kind of just said this. It just kind of popped in my head. Have you ever heard of like, like I, for, I figure it's Plato, Aristotle, at least like six kinds of people. Um, Like the God, like the virtuous, the continent, the incontinent, the beast, uh, the vicious, like vice and the bestial. Uh, so few people are bestial, few people are godlike. We'll say like the saints, and like I don't even know who bestial would be, but like there's some people that like are, like live vi- like very like vice-filled lives, um, and there are people that are very virtuous. Most people are just continent. They bounce between continent and continent. That's like continent because I'll do the good thing because I'm either afraid of punishment if I don't do it, or because I want to get something good from it. Like a virtuous person does the good thing because it's good to do. The continent person does the good thing because they want some reward. The incontinent person doesn't do the good thing because it's hard. So they're not they're not hard like they're not vicious, they're not horrible people, but they're not they're just kinda of bouncing around between like getting by, doing enough. Um and yeah, it's just it's not what we were made for. Or or made to to give to give all of ourselves. And that's like I mean it's in it's in sex, like you don't give it's not 50% man, 50% wife. It's 100% man, 100% wife. Um, going back to, like, the incarnation, it's not 50% God, 50% man. It's 100% God, 100% man. Like, the Trinity. Uh, the Father, like, everything that the Father is, he gives to the Son except being Father. Um, and that's why, and everything the Father and the Son give to each other is the Holy Spirit. It's all. It's like, and we're made in the image and likeness of God. We're made to be total gift to give ourselves totally, and that's where the, when the heart, like God, like breaks open the heart and desire, like that's what that's where we're most alive. That's where we like empty ourselves out. It's when we try to close that over is when we suddenly end up in the continent and continent range. Yeah, and. And I think, like I said, if we were to be honest with ourselves, John, because that's where I was. I, well, I've actually been on all all six of the. <laughs> who said these again? Who? Uh, probably Plato, maybe Aristotle. Okay, and so I've uh, yeah, I've definitely visited all six of those. Uh, everything, yeah. <laughs> vice to virtue, and everything in between. But yeah. I think that for a while, I you know, I laid there in that continent to incontinent, as you were describing. And I think that's where most people are, unfortunately. It's, it's very comfortable there. It is. It's very comfortable. 
but um, we weren't made to be comfortable. <laughs> no, and that might be that might be what's lacking most in our church today is the desire for comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were there. You were there before the seminary, and that's where this began is you were there. You were reluctant. You weren't giving all of your heart to God. You knew you weren't, but you were still going to go into the seminary because you said you were. Yeah. Right? But something happened and something changed. So what can you pinpoint it? What happened that you went from continent or incontinent? Uh, I think the biggest difference is like I met I met a person. I met Jesus Christ. Like there's no there's no substitute for that. Um like I think so I think they're natural virtues of people that like they're just inclined to be virtuous. Um and that's 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 a gift from God. It's very good. Um but there's like there's no substitute for like f- like finding out that someone fell deeply in love with you from all eternity that you were worth dying for someone um that's what you know john the beloved so uh, the sisters of life call me john the beloved do they really yeah um it started when my car got towed one time at their convent and they i guess they felt bad so they're like oh john the beloved um so we uh and yeah so they're they're the best but um i don't know if there's a better compliment than that (laughs) coming from the sisters i know yeah and it's like and then that's really i mean john the evan- so John the Evangelist is John the Beloved. He wrote the Gospel, and he also wrote three letters in Revelation. Um, and he like he gets it in his letter. He says it's not that we loved, but that he loved us first. Um, that's the beginning of the spiritual life. That's the beginning of growing in virtue. Um, going back to like, it's so tough for us as men. We want to initiate love of God. When God's, it's the the primarily the middle of that is he loved us first. Um, you know where you see this too, John? We've, it saddens me. It truly saddens me. We have so many Catholics that are leaving the church. <laughs> yeah. The number one group of people in the entire world is fallen away Catholics. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh, yeah. There's oh 1.2 billion baptized Catholics on the, uh, on the planet. Wow. And, the, and I think it's 86% or 89% of Catholics who have received their cat, um, their, their, sacraments are gone by the time they're 18 years old or 21 years old so something's happening after that what is it what's that happening what's causing 85 to 90 percent eight and a half nine out of ten kids to leave before they're 18 or 21 years old well it's it, it it's not that mass isn't happening mass yeah. is happening every day yeah. so what is it that's that's missing it's what you just said john they yeah. don't know Christ. Like, they don't know him, the person. They don't know how much he loves them. I think I think what everyone's so drawn to the chosen for right now is because yeah. it's like taking that and it's putting it up on a screen for us to actually see it. Like, through those other senses, we can see it and visualize it and witness it. And it's like, oh, that's him. That's how much he loves me, you know? Yeah. And it's not in like a – we can kind of fall into like a um, – like, oh, God loves us, like – these these people love us like it's more like they're responsible for us like for for him it's like and like the thing is you we people can listen to us talk about it all the time but he has to tell you is how delightful you are to him is how like worthy of love he created you of how like everything in his heart is like all for you um and like let he would like he loves you as if you're the only person on earth um and they get the, they're very nice words <laughs> They all, um, they all, they all like. Maybe you get the chills from it sometimes, but until you really like, until you really 
like know that at the center of your being there's like there's 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 a lot of like just kindness there's getting by um he just like he wants to take you where where for a while you didn't want to go that's what he says to peter right like um you know your your guy peter <laughs> when um when oh, oh thank you when you were uh when you were a young man you did what you wanted but when you're an old man someone's gonna tie a hand or tie a rope around your waist and take you where you don't want to go um but with him it kind of it becomes where you do want to go because he's there like he he's he's the one that is like you do good things not because you can get a reward for it but because like he's good because because he loves you and lives in you and it's your it's your nature to do good things um kind of and even looking at like heaven a lot of times and this won't have a lot to do with it like we've kind of lost the idea of what heaven is like for it becomes for a lot of people like the nice cloud city like if you can get past saint peter the bouncer then you can like <laughs> have whatever you want for all eternity and like god's gonna be there i guess but like you really you're, you're just there because like you you were a good person you, you did the right thing so you get rewards for it um but like what heaven is like jesus tells us it's to know you father and jesus christ whom you have sent like it's communion with the trinity um and looking at like going back to desire it's like what you really if you want him like you want heaven like if you want goodness and truth and beauty and that's all in all, that's in all our hearts it's intimacy with god like that's what heaven is and if you if like you've suppressed those desires enough that you really don't want that you're not gonna you're not gonna want gonna want heaven that's what kind of even looking like god that can, happens uh, over time john yeah where are those desires that we once had are being lost and it's almost like we need to go back to our childlike hearts again yeah to lift lift the suppression that we've put on them or life has put on them right yeah we have this getting older thing that's happening instead of growing older <laughs> you know yeah Wait, so yeah. how do we get that back again how do we reopen you know our hearts and get that childlike heart going again that's like naturally yeah. excited like like <laughs> when you're little and you see the roller coaster and yeah. you're like oh i'm going on that or whatever you know yeah uh, like there's a, there's a there's a line I heard from um, Catherine of Siena where she said that uh, all the way to heaven is heaven. Yeah. So meaning that there's a way in which, and I was listening to a great talk by one of my favorite Catholic philosophers, Chris Kazor, out in California. He does talks for the Thomistic Institute, and he was mm. talking about it yesterday. He's like, you probably know somebody who's always who's like almost in like getting a piece of heaven in this life. These people that always have joy, they're always feeling love, you know, they're always out, they're always smiling, they're always kind. Mm. They sort of have the fruits of the Holy Spirit just rolling off of them all the time. Then you probably also know somebody that's bitter all the time. Or just, I mean, we talk about it all the time. Just go to Kensington. Yeah. That's in this earth, but that's hell. What those people are going through is hell. Like, they're they're zombies. They're, they're, they're just, they're lost. Well, yeah, what's kind of crazy, too, is in Kensington, like... That's it's almost like so that is that is like hell on earth. Exactly. But the people there are so friendly to you. Like mm. we've like uh, have you guys done like, you done the, the Rosary Walsh of the Sisters? Uh, like Mission Youth is this thing. Uh, you like street evangelization with people, and I've I've done it with with both groups. And you walk around like Center City here. Or you walk around Kensington Center City. It's like you're you're the devil. Like you get dirty looks. You try to say hello to someone. We had it on the one mission Rittenhouse square some high schooler say good morning to someone and that person say get over yourself like there's just there's a lot of 
contracept like it's a very contraceptive personality. It stops stuff from beginning. Uh, but in Kensington, people there they have nothing. They're very poor, and yes, they're living in this hell on earth. But they at least like they thank you for being there. They smile at you. So it's mm, that's I interesting. Even, I yeah, yeah, I don't even know what to think of it. But there's such like a there's a great mystery there. I think of how these people that should be the most bitter, and not to say there's no bitter people, and not to say there's not friendly people in Center City, but where there should, where everyone should be the happiest, where they have everything, they're very. It's interesting. It's like Africa. They say these the places where the people are poorer, they rely on God more. They have to because part of the, um, part of maybe what this this is an interesting. I've been playing with this idea recently, John. Maybe you could weigh in on this. Yeah. I've been saying that like in my mind, I've been because I've moved to the city, and so I'm noticing that I'm rushing around more and i'm kind of like you know because it's that's the context that i'm in like everybody's kind of stressed out and they're doing a whole bunch of stuff and i've noticed that i'm going like hey you know i'm always in this like future i'm always like projecting to this like future place or whatever mm-hmm. and it takes me away from the present moment where you know when i was before when i was living out in, in the woods I could just sort of be there with the Lord in nature and whatever, just kind of hanging out where we were. And I wasn't rushing to be anywhere because when you're in the woods, you're just in the woods. There's not <laughs> like, you know, it's not, there's not, you're not, there's not, you're just <laughs> sitting at a, look at a tree. <laughs> exactly. You're just like in the woods, just taking a walk. Like there's no you know, where to get to per se. Yeah. And so maybe there's something with, of that in both the Africa example and the Kensington example. Like they've sort of, in a way, given up on a kind of future. They're like, all right, whatever. I'm just here. And oh, you're here with me. That's yeah. wonderful. So they're in, the, the, and and God can only really be with us in this moment because all this future stuff is just projections of our of our mind. Like yeah. we don't even know if we have a future really. I mean, wow. we could be dead tomorrow. This could be the last thing we ever do. So our yeah. ideas of our plans in the future—that's you know whatever. Well, I'm making ha- I'm that happy up. Happy I spend it with you guys though. This is the last yeah, thing. Exactly. Do. If this is the last thing we can go have with oh. Spring John, man. Yeah. The actual—it's funny you say all this because that was came up a lot on Thirty Day for me. Um, I mean, the, my director, Father Burns, a Chicago priest, and like I can be very, like, old, like too reflective or too intuitive, like looking to the future or thinking too much about the past. But intimacy is only present; is only possible in the present. Yeah. So it kind of actually, I was praying for the grace of the whole retreat. Like I don't need to think about what's going to happen when I get home. I don't need to linger on what's been happening one out before I left. Like. Let me engage with this once-in-a-lifetime retreat. And there are days I let the retreat go by. I was too busy thinking about other stuff. Um, so I was praying for this grace. Like, just tell me to be here. Um, and there was one one cool reflection day where uh, I had, it was, we had we were only eight miles from Lake Michigan. And I was like, you could ride a bike there in 45 minutes. So I was like, I want to ride a bike there and see the sunrise over Lake Michigan. And uh, the last week of the exercises is on the resurrection. So I thought, I'm going to do it the last week. I'm going to meditate on the resurrection to a sunrise over Lake Michigan. It's going to be awesome. So I tell my director, uh, I'm going to leave Thursday morning. It's going to be good weather. And he says, all right, go for it. Just bring a flashlight. And I, uh, so, and then he gives me my reflection for the night. Na- and then we kind of forgot about it. Wednesday, he gives me my reflection. Thursday morning comes. I get up at 4 o'clock, get on the trail, get out to Lake Michigan, and it's cloudy, so I don't get to see the sunrise. But I was like, oh, what a bummer. But I get a... Uh, open up my notebook, what am I going to reflect on? And it's Peter and Jesus at the lake. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? So I'm like, wow, this is crazy. I'm here at Lake Michigan, waves crashing down on the beach, um, like so, like meditating on this. And I, th- I was picturing myself like, if this, they made a movie about my life, this is the opening scene. Like, this is where I give my life totally to God. Um, and I'm like picturing like all my life before this, panning out and everything after this. 
and like trying and nothing. I'm like, what the heck? And I was like, wait a sec. This whole time I've been praying to live in the present. And here I am, like beautiful beach, like beautiful meditation. I don't need to think about my whole life up to now. I don't need to think about the future. Like I'm right here, right now. Like where else would I want to be in the world? Mm -hmm. So I think it is very much a... And in case you (laughs) didn't get that, he even made that your reflection to read, to call your mind and, you know, and get (laughs) you present to it. And, you know, that's... It's like deep. that's what he wants, John. One of the priests um, when we were at mass a couple of years ago said, "Looking back into our past can create a lot of depression. Looking forward to to the future can create a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to be present to the present moment. And like you had just said, in our pre- the present is where um, intimacy is. Yes, yeah, where intimacy yeah, is like, right here. You know, it's the only thing that's real. Yeah, because yeah. the future, the past didn't ha- is not happening now." And yeah. the future, again, we don't know. Like, Dude, who knows? We could have a podcast on Augustine. He talks about this for a whole book. And even the confessions, like the whole thing is about his past. But where is he writing it from? It's it's a prayer to the Father from the present. He's saying, like he says, where were you then? Like you were slowly, slowly you sprinkling bitter gall on my sweet pursuits. So you were slowly bringing me back to yourself through your chastisements. But it's never looking at the past without without God with you. It's it's not It's not self-pitying. It's not lingering. It's... It's. I mean, it's giving thanks for where he's brought you. Like to to ignore the past totally would be ungrateful. Mm-hmm. Um, to linger in the past is also ungrateful because the Lord there's a present to be thankful for. And to look too far ahead to the future, to not consider the future would be imprudent and also probably ungrateful because God's got great stuff for you coming. But to linger there is, um, you know, just takes you out of where where you need to be now. Right. I guess it's not it's it's a it's not saying that you shouldn't plan or think back, but it's just this chronic thinking. It's all yeah. if you're if you're always there, then that's I think that where that, it consumes right. Us. It just right. consumes you. Yeah. Like there's some future that I'm always rushing towards, but I never get there. I think so I'm always stressed out. I'm always running around. I've always got 15 things happening, and I never feel the peace of Christ. The presence of Christ today, because I'm just lost in some future that I that like I never get to. Yeah, it never arrives. I think because I'm always in. I'm like this rabbit. Like what is it? Like the hamster in this wheel. <laughs> oh, this the hamster. Wheel, like yeah. the hamster spazzing out, trying to get somewhere <laughs> that you just like he can't figure out that he's not getting anywhere. <laughs> well, a lot of times too, it's such it's like to numb something. Like we look at our present and maybe we ate it. Like we're very unhappy where we are. So and th- I mean, there's a th- the virtue of hope. Obviously, is very good, but there's a, there's also like a lowercase h hope, that's kind of like wrong. Is like, like focusing too much. Well, this sucks. So I'm just gonna like think about how good it's gonna be, um, and like that does yeah, that does cause you anxiety, but can also cause you a lot of false consolation. When really God wants you to sit with like this is a situation I have you in for a reason. Like I I want you to be here, like I want you to be a little upset about this either because, um. Like there's some someone in your life that like either you're loving a lot and that's like it's it's hurting you or because you're doing something wrong and it needs to be fixed and needs to be purified. So there's such it's such a dis like or even like reminiscing too much on the past like it might cause you depression but it also might cause you like oh well, I can at least remember we remember the good old days we can remember when everything was just dandy and like don't we don't need to pay attention to this let's just think about that. It's such a it can be such a distraction. So it's really I mean. With all things, it can be a double-edged sword. It can either make you sedated or anxious and depressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, John, I wanted to ask you, um, and I wanted to take 
I want to take time to a few minutes here to dig into because one of the passions that Andrew and I have is to raise up um, a culture of men and a culture of men that are for life. Mm -hmm. But for you, being pro-life doesn't just mean um, going out and defending the unborn. Yeah. Being pro-life truly means being 100% pro-life. So if you don't mind, can you take... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, can you tell me what, what being pro-life actually means to John McCabe? Yeah, I think... I mean, it just means... Uh, oh, just like loving loving life in all its stages is a very basic definition, but it's like... It's, almost, it's making life more livable for everybody. Um, like the, the unborn are the most defenseless, of course, and like probably the most important right now to defend because like with if there's no dignity for the unborn then there's no um there's no dignity for anybody like everything's kind of up in the air um but past that like you look at like a lot of women they'll say they get like defending abortion they'll say why would i want to bring a child into this terrible world um so we can be very pro-life by making the world a little less terrible for people uh by treating (laughs) treating our families very well uh, in our marriages, like I'm, I'm not, but like, think about Paul says to the Ephesians, like, love your wife like Christ loved the church and died for her. We have, like, I mean, a lot of times, like, marriages, it's kind of like you know the old ball and chain, like, this person that like, it's a, it's just it's almost it's mediocre in a way. What like, and that's why like the divorce rate is very high. It's just because like, I don't really like desire this person. Um. And that's in, like, the church teaches, well, no for divorce, which is correct. But it should really be, like, yes, you can love the church. You can love your wife like Christ loves the church. Like, you're capable of doing that. Um, yeah, it's not no for divorce. It's yeah. yes for love. Yes for love, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the, and so, you know, the sisters, they have, um, so I guess maybe, like, a bigger idea is, like, we need to give our yeses more. Like, the sisters' life will never use the word adoption. I just fist pumped in case anyone wants to know because <laughs> yeah, we need to give our yes more. Thank you, John. A, fiat. <laughs> a little, a little side A thing. fiat. Yeah, so the funny, so the your Greek word for fiat is genitheto, which is just super like masculine. So like Mary's fiat, but it's it's our genitheto. Um, either way, it's stupid. But, um, the, uh, <laughs> what does it mean? Uh, like let it be done. So mm. fiat, let it be done. But in Greek, it's genitheto. <laughs> um, but, so the sisters will never say adoption. Um, like you'll never say consider giving your baby up for adoption, because for for a mother in that state, she hears is, you can't be a mother. Um, if a mother brings it up, they'll say yeah, it would be good to entrust your baby to a, to a loving family. But primarily, the sisters they want to walk with these women and show them like you yes you can be a mother yes you are capable of love yes you are capable of being a gift. Um, you're not. Yes, God nothing, shows this for you. Yeah, it's like yes, there's because not, there's He no, knows. There's nothing yeah. wrong with you. Um, so that's where, like, mm. our, I mean, as a whole, as society, like, like in our, it starts in our homes, like, being, like, being loving for each other, like, and it, it comes with a lot of death of the ego, death of the self-will, is, like, putting others before ourselves. If we did that just in our homes, if everyone did that just in our homes, we'd have, we'd have a very pro-life society. Um, it's, so it's not, it's not even just about, like, because we can be very against abortion and be very awful to our families. We can, I, like, I know I can be very awful to my brothers in the seminary. Uh, we can be awful to each other. 
the pro-life so like in this in this sense the pro-life movement starts in the dorms it starts with let's let's love each other like like jesus loved the apostles and like literally died out of love for them like we we're capable of doing that like we we are baptized as what a great definition I'm, what a I, I know we're coming to the end but that's a really wonderful way to sort of summarize the entire pro because there's two parts of the pro-life movement one is um, to make abortion unavailable, but it's also to make it unthinkable. Mm-hmm. And that talks about making a culture of life. That talks about creating this culture of love. Yeah. And that we're, we're loving our families, we're loving our friends, we're loving our neighbors. And then in that kind of culture, then then abortion, yeah. then people don't think about, oh, I want to kill my child. Like, I want to, I want to, yeah. I, 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 I don't want, I can't have this, I can't love this child because they don't feel love. Yeah. So well, just to close with the story, I um I was at Lordicle months ago, and it ended up like you know the American, hey, where's this procession gonna be? Uh, so I asked this French lady next to me. I was like, where's is this gonna be where the procession is? And she said, yeah. Um, we got I forget if we got chatting, and it turns out she's some like big deal like French senator. She worked for the United Nations Council on Women. I said I was from America, and she said, uh, we uh, we. Oui, oui. She said, oh, you Americans, uh, you're not doing great right now, um, with your your Supreme Court decision. And I was like, oh, well, I actually. I stand, I'm, I'm very happy about that. Um, and then like I said, I was a seminarian, she kind of apologized and I was like, no, like, it's okay, but we got talking. And like, guess what? She wasn't evil, she wasn't a, she wasn't a witch. See, she really cared about women and she really wants women to be, to be free. Uh, <laughs> she was just a little wrong about it. Um, and she like hadn't really, she was at the Lord's but really hadn't encountered Jesus, but like, we talked for like twenty minutes. She wasn't. It was. It was completely. It was completely civilized. It was. It was very like when we left on pretty good terms. Just like, I didn't change her mind. I don't think. I don't think she's gonna suddenly become like a pro-life advocate. She's like older and really knew her stuff. But it was. It was what was in her heart was like I love women and I want women to be okay, and going about it wrong. Yes, but like we can we can utilize that. Like everyone has that in their hearts. Um, it's just about transforming, like, what does a society look like where people actually really all care about each other, where everyone becomes, becomes like God, becomes love. Amen. John, could you, um, you know, being that you're going to be a professional prayer, (laughs) maybe you could, uh, what's a wonderful way to, I think, to end the podcast is that on that note of love, and maybe you could take us out in prayer and, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time and uh, of your busy seminary in life and coming down and blessing us with with your presence and with your amazing yeah. wisdom. Again, another like young person that I'm just like, man, everybody talks bad about the younger generation. These people are on <laughs> fire. These guys man. are all right. These guys are okay. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate it, John. Thank you uh, so much. Thank, thank you, you guys, brother. Thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. awesome, man. Um, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Uh, Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Uh, thank you for Peter. Thank you for Andrew, your your chosen apostles. Thank you for their yes, for their joy. Uh, thank you for thank you for the pro life movement. Please always guide our hearts that we can defend life in the most vulnerable and the unborn, but in every person that we meet. And please always shower us with your blessings and with your love. And we ask this through Mary, our mother, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord, the Lord is, is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
I Carlo Acutis? Yeah, that's what pray I was going to say. Pray. Carlo Acutis, pray for us, and Maximilian Colby. Pray, pray for, for us. They're our, uh, our social media postulate patrons because they both had uh, social media back in the day, kind of the primitive stages. Yeah, awesome. Men for Life signing off. Signing off.